Hey everyone, today I'm here with Lila Stewart, the founder of Hari Mari. Lila, welcome to our show. Love for you to share some facts about yourself. Hey Thomas, thank you so much for having me join. Excited to be here today. So my name is Lila Stewart and the co-founder of Hari Mari, born and raised in Dallas, Texas. This is where we reside currently and where the business is here as well. Amazing, Lila, how did you get started? Well, there's no kind of short way of telling the story. So I'm going to go, since I have you, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the full blown version of how we got started and why, and kind of where we are today. So um, my husband, Jeremy and I are both from here in Dallas, had a really cool opportunity back in 2007 to move to Jakarta, Indonesia. And so we did, we sold our cars and put what little we owned in storage and took off. Um, we were both working on different projects over there, one of which um, for Jeremy was producing a documentary film specifically about malnutrition and how it affects children in Southeast Asia. I got on the board for the American Women's Association, spent my time helping kids in orphanages in and around Jakarta. And um, have, you, have you been to Indonesia by chance, Thomas? Yes, Bali. It's wonderful. Super oh, Bali. blue. Yes, Bali's amazing. We actually got engaged there, but um, not all of Indonesia is like Bali, unfortunately, and, and specifically in Jakarta and what we experienced, you know, families live on less than a dollar a day. 80% of the population lives below the poverty level, right? There's no access to healthcare and seeing that kind of poverty for day in and day out for three years really changed us. Um, that said, we knew when we moved back to the States in 2010, we wanted to continue to help kids, we, but we wanted to, instead of starting a 501c3 in a nonprofit, we wanted to start a for-profit business that gave back. And so it was a little bit backwards in that we had our philanthropy decided before the business, which pediatric cancer is the most fatal disease of children here in the U.S., more so than all childhood diseases combined. So that was where we were going to focus on trying to help and make a difference, but keep it here in the U.S. And the idea to make flip-flops came quickly thereafter. Um, we used to be avid rainbow wearers and we'd worn out our pairs and um, went shopping to a store here in Dallas called St. Bernard's, which coincidentally was the first store to, to pick us up when we launched and, and noticed that the pairs on the wall hanging on the walls in 2007, when we left for Indonesia, were the exact same pair still hanging on the same walls in 2010 when we got back. Um, all, you know, a sea of black and brown and nothing new, nothing innovative. And, you know, Jeremy was looking for something a little more elevated, the pop of color. Guys, are, we, what we've learned is that men are wearing more color these days, and especially if it's presented well, right? Um, and that an option for him just didn't exist. I wanted a, a leather sandal that was nice, that didn't destroy your feet in the whole break-in process. And that's kind of how the idea began and, and did our research. And obviously the days of suits are dwindling and casual wear is on the rise. And if COVID did anything, it certainly exaggerated that. And we just kind of took a look around the flip-flop market and noticed that you know every major flip-flop brand was headquartered out of California and their, surf, their aesthetic was all surf. And um, you know, we felt like if we could come to market and really focus on color and comfort and premium and out of the box comfort and, um, give back along the way that we could be onto something. So Hari to bring it full circle, Hari in the Indonesian language means of the sun, Mari in Latin means of the sea. So kind of a fun play on words pertaining to flip-flops, but allowing us to, you know, 
tie our, our time in Indonesia into the name of the brand and, and, and our roots and kind of DNA. And so we donate a percentage of sales to kids who are battling pediatric cancer here in the U.S. We call it flops fighting cancer, something we're really proud of. So that's the backstory in a relatively quick nutshell. Amazing. Could you walk me through how you got your first sales and uh, awareness to the public? Yeah, of course. So when we were actually doing R&D for the brand, it was going to be an online only venture, right? And and that was over 10 years ago because we did R&D for about two years. And at that point in time, what we learned was that people for footwear, they don't want to buy it online. They want to see, touch, feel, and try on. And then once they are familiar with the brand and know how it fits, then, then that comfort level is there to, to, to purchase online. So um, we knew that we had to kind of pivot and have a wholesale portion of our business, which was sales is actually my background. That's what I did prior to us moving to Indonesia. So at that point in time, we literally had 12 SKUs, six for women, six for men. And I, having no retail experience whatsoever, I threw my flip-flops in a bag and just started kind of walking indoors to, to retailers that we wanted to sell to here in Dallas and started in Dallas and then went beyond and took road trips all over Texas. And then three months in, we launched in, launched in March, about three months after that, I took a trip with me and my 12 samples, literally to the, through the entire uh, East Coast, basically to the Carolinas and back. And uh, what was exciting was by the time August rolled around, we had about 50 retailers selling the brand. So there was, there was nothing sexy about it. It was literally me hitting the pavement, going in and, and just talking to people about their assortment and what was missing. And if, if Hari Mari could fill that void. Were you bootstrapped? Yes. So Jeremy and I bootstrapped the brand and we have investors now, but we bootstrapped it for the two years, two to three years of R&D and the first two years of business. Walk me through some of the stress slash challenges of, as a bootstrapper. Oh, it was tough. I mean, we had just moved back from Indonesia and had our first mortgage and I was actually pregnant. And when we launched Aiden, our daughters was six months old. So having a mortgage and all those expenses that come with a child without an income, that was tough. We didn't take a salary for our first probably year and a half, two years. Um, so we really relied on savings and, um, and, and we're lean. It was tough. I mean, it, I, I look back on it and I honestly, Thomas don't know how we did it, <laughs> you know? Um, but we did. And I really would, I think if we were to go thing, go back and do things a little bit differently, I don't know if we would do it any different. You know, we wanted to prove, get out there and, and, and show proof of concept and that we were willing to have our skins in the game and, you know, obviously heavily invested. And I think that went a long way, one, to the success of what we're able to accomplish in those first few years, but also in our just discussions with investors. And with the knowledge that you have today, is there anything that you can share with, you know, yourself, your first year to expedite some of the success that you have today? Well, there are so many mistakes that we made along the way, and we certainly aren't finished making them, right? Like we're constantly learning, which is what I love about being an entrepreneur, right? Is that you learn something new every day and, and, and work is not boring in that regard, you know? So there, there's a lot of, of, of stumbles made throughout the nine years of being in business. And gosh, that, that could be about a four hour long podcast. Um, but I think 
one of our biggest takeaways is the importance of who you hire, right? Having the right people in your corner and um, smart people in your corner and people that you can trust because you can't scale without people, right? And we have an amazing team, but we made some fumbles along the way and hiring the wrong people and it can set you back and it can be costly and, and time intensive and just a gut punch when you love what you do, which we certainly do. Um, but just be really smart about who you hire. That makes total sense. Um, what is your data or actually what did your day-to-day look like uh, in the bootstrap, bootstrap days? Oh my goodness. Literally my samples in the back of my car driving anywhere and everywhere to show the line. I, um, I always joke sadly that I did not win any parenting awards when Aiden was for the first two years. Cause my goodness, I traveled. Fortunately, Jeremy was able to be here in Dallas, but I was gone. Um, whether that was in my car traveling all over the Southwest and the Southeast or flying to New York multiple times a year to meet with retailers to Seattle with, for Nordstrom, um, and San Francisco to, for stitch fix. I mean, it was, it was a lot, um, And, you know, when you are a startup, you are also traveling on a budget. And so I think it was funny because my friends would always, oh my gosh, that's so cool. You're in New York and you're you're meeting with all these accounts. I'm like, little do you know, I'm staying at like the least expensive hotel room (laughs) and, you know, hauling your stuff all over the place. But um, it was just a grind, you know, but it was a lot of fun and exciting and a lot of wins, but it was a grind. Totally. At what point were you able to pay yourself a regular salary? Well, even two years in, when we started taking a salary, it was more of kind of entry level because we had to, right? Um, I would, I would, if I'm being honest, we probably didn't start taking salaries that were comparable to what we could make out in the free market until maybe three years ago. Wow. So how many years into your career is that with uh, your company? Harimari is nine. We turned nine in March. And so we didn't start probably taking salaries that were competitive until like five years in. I mean, everything we were making, we wanted to invest right back into Harimari and not, not take salaries that, you know, were egregious and not that ours are now, but we just, you know, we've always just believed in running it really, really lean. What were some of the crazy uh, milestones that you remember that, you know, kind of move what you were doing forward? There's been so many, and I get this question a lot, and especially from like new entrepreneurs. They're like, what, what helped, what helped you guys, you know, get to the point where you are? And you know, that saying death by a thousand swords, well, I would, I always turn it around and say success by a thousand wins. Right. And I feel like that, that rings true for everything we've done here at Hari Mari, because it hasn't just been a handful of things or even a dozen things. It's been so many small wins made by not, not only Jeremy and I, but our team. So, um, but if, but to answer your question, because it is an interesting question, there are a few that come to mind in the beginning and the in my mind. And if you were to ask Jeremy this question, he'd have a different answer because we run different sides of the business. And there's kind of a fine line between who does what, and he's, he oversees e-com and I'm, and I'm wholesale. And there are obviously other things in there, but for me, um, our, what happened with Nordstrom was really interesting and exciting and, and, um, 
inspiring for the brand and for our team. So we were probably 18 months old. I mean, we were in this year and a half and a buyer uh, for Nordstrom came by and uh, at a trade show and he'd seen the pair on a brand on a guy at a wedding, excuse me, wearing the brand at some beach wedding that he went to a few months prior and thought they looked great. So we stopped in and next thing I know, they are placing a PO for an online only test. And we're like, goodness, I was really stressed about it. I was like, you know, people want to see, touch, feel and try on. And I don't know about the digital play right now, if that's smart. And next thing I know, they start filling in and we received probably five or six fill-ins throughout that summer. And then by the next summer, they put our men's product in every single location. So we went nation, we went from online only to nationwide with our men's line within two and a half years of being a business. Um, and that was a big, a big win for us and something that we could obviously tout to our other retailers and partners across the country and speak to the success of the line um, digitally, but in stores and in retail as well. What are you doing today that most excites you about your brand? We just opened our first store, Thomas, and it wasn't anything that was in the cards when we were writing a business plan or when we were dreaming about our big goals for Harimari. But so many things have transpired since we launched Harimari that really compelled us to do so. And it is beautiful and it's here in Dallas and it's in probably one of the best shopping centers here in Dallas and right next to a trail. So there's a lot of walkability to it and to the area. And we've got amazing neighbors like Yeti and Starbucks and Marine Lair. And um, it's just been a really exciting kind of refreshing and, and new project to work on and to kind of add into the, the fold of a piece of a piece of the brand. What's so what's next that you're excited about that you don't have right now? What's next are more stores. We've got plans to open two, possibly three in 22, um, but we're also expanding and at our, our category. So we've, I think if you and I had met and spoke four years ago, five years ago, I would have said we are a flip-flop brand, but now that's no longer the case. We are definitely becoming a full-fledged footwear brand. Um, two years ago, we launched men's boots. Um, this holiday, we are launching our first men's and women's slippers and house shoes collection, and they look beautiful. Um, for women in the spring, we're rolling out some runners and some beautiful sandals, some, something very different than what we've produced before. My goodness, we're also expanding in some apparel, nothing crazy, but tees and hats and belts and bags and some, some cool Harimari branded items that, you know, would go well that you could take on your trip that we'll be selling online and in and, and store. So there's a lot of exciting projects that we're working on, not only for growth on the, on the store and wholesale and e-com side, but just expanding our categories. It's really exciting. Love it. And before we conclude our conversation, I'd love to hear, you know, some of your final piece of wisdom for, new entrepreneurs who want to someday start their own uh, D2C brand? I love this question and it's usually twofold. It's first is always go with your gut. There have been a lot of lessons I've learned over the years and, and going against what my intuition was telling me, listening to someone else's opinion. Um, and I could get into specifics if you'd like, but I always, I feel like the entrepreneur and the heart behind the business usually knows best and to go with your gut. 
And then two, expect a grind. It's a grind nine years in, it's still a grind, you know? And I feel like that's one reason why so many fails because ultimately someone gives up and you just can't give up. And even nine, nine and a half years later, I, I feel still like we're a startup and I still feel like we're grinding despite the fact that we have our own store and we have about a thousand retailers selling the brand across the country and a really healthy e-com business. Um, it's just, it's a lot, it takes a lot of hustle and that, that will never change. Actually to add to the hustle thing, um, I'd love to hear a specific way or things that people can do to hustle to really stand out. Well, that's a great question. Um, I think there's a lot of things that you could do and here's some things that we do in our web order boxes. We literally have handwritten notes that go out in every single web order box. Our customers are important. We want them to know it. Um, we're a big believer in the experiential process of someone ordering a pair of Hari Maris online, right? Cause most of what you get these days from online shopping comes in a plastic bag and you open it up and it's more plastic and there's your product. We feel very strongly about giving our customers an experience to, to connect to the brand when they're opening it. Um, and that's something that we do on the digital side on, on the wholesale side. Um, you know, we, again, write thank you notes to all of our buyers and our team takes the time to stop in our stores and clinic and talk to the staff about the brand and tell them the story. And I think a lot of brands, as they grow, they stop doing that because they feel like it may not be needed. But those are two things on on both sides of, of our business that we try and do to, to set ourselves apart. But goodness, there there's there's certainly more. And um, But I think ultimately is just to not ever forget about the importance of your customer, at least in our space. I love it. Lila, thank you so much for coming on to our show. And to those who are listening, if you enjoy it, please support Lila and her brand. Oh, Thomas, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our visit today.